In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The CIA secretly funded the medical experiments through a front in New York City called, of all things, the Society for the Protection of Human Ecology. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, and outright lies. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, too. This is a conspiracy indoctrination program. Co-Induct-Pro. In this broadcast, we will be examining the strange, deranged, unexplained, and unsolved. Some topics will be rooted in conspiracy, others shrouded in mystery. Connections will be made and agendas exposed. So prepare your mind, because the indoctrination begins now. Hello, everybody, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Conspiracy Indoctrination Program. We are your hosts. I'm Jake. Luke. And I'm the other Jake. The other one. The other Jeffrey Lebowski. The millionaire. <laughs> so we're back. This is uh, episode 17. That's, time is flying by, time. dude. Time is flying by. Like, how have we done 17 episodes? Yeah. We don't even have enough stuff to talk about, you know, between us. Yeah. 17 episodes worth, that, that that ain't even a thing. We don't know what the hell's going on here. It's crazy. So, anyway, thanks for everybody tuning in. Uh, we have some international listeners that have been tuning in lately. So, hello to the uh, new people in France. Ooh. Putin, yep, Putin's back in Russia listening to us. What's up, Putin? <laughs> P-Town. So, P-Town. We had uh, more in the UK. Anarchy in the UK. Bitch. Um, lots of listens in Australia and Canada. What's up, all yous, guys? Nice. Dang, the list just keeps growing, it seems like. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then the U.S., we've been in most of the states, I think. Keep you in a lot of downloads in Texas, so obviously, Joe Rogan. <laughs> What's up? What can I do better? Yeah. We're here to uh, help you out, make your podcast better by listening to us. Yep, we'll give you tips on taking out that chick that's supposed to be taking him out. Oh, yeah. The daddies. Welcome back, daddies. Yeah. I'm sure she's going to be a big fail. $70 million fail. So uh, thanks to anybody that's been leaving reviews. We had a review. This is actually a really pretty awesome review on Apple from Pass the Meat Sticks uh, from Nona Mae Gramby, and it's titled Pass the Meat Sticks, which we are all out. So we're going to need people to step up and start <laughs> GoFundMe for meat sticks. Need some meat sticks. Uh, but it says better morale lifter than Hawaiian shirt Friday. I agree. Uh, the two Jakes and Luke take you on a lighthearted yet informative ride through fascinating conspiracy theory topics peppered with random metalhead moments. I thought that was... I'm like, Spot I should on. just copy and paste that into our uh, about column. Yeah, it's and, perfect. You know, it's like pretty much it. I will say, though, that one of our listeners, Lisa, her dad had the best review, but it was a word-of-mouth review, so him to her to me. 
and it was those guys are like Beavis and Butthead grew up and got into conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would put that on paper, on like in writing, because that was a good one. So, which one of us is Stuart? There can only be a Beavis and a Butthead. Well, what was the neighbor's name? The neighbor? Wasn't there a neighbor in Beavis and Butthead? It was the guy that wasn't it uh, the one from uh, King of the Hill. Uh, Boomhauer? No. Oh, I haven't seen Hank. Any. Hank Hill. It was somebody like him. Yeah. It was like the same yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Stuart wore the winger shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take the bullet on that <laughs> one. <laughs> and I'll be the great <laughs> Cornholio. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good review. That was awesome. Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Nona Mae Gramby, whoever you are. Um, and anybody else that's left reviews, thank you very much. Uh, man, there's been some weird things that have happened this week. It seems like more and more weird shit keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Did you guys hear about the um, they're growing like synthetic meat? Have you heard about that? Oh, that's CRISPR. <clears throat> I read about that. CRISPR technology. I, I don't know if CRISPR is the one that's doing it. I know that it's a it's somebody that Bill Gates has been uh, funding. That was a thing a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Show it growing off of yeah. like metal. Yeah, they're growing it on like and, these little yeah. strings Fucking and stuff. Weird, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was listening to a guy where because he's pretty big into um, you know the mRNA technology, vaccines, changing DNA, um, creating a transhuman race of beings known as Homo Novus, and it's like, well, that's pretty interesting. And then he was going on talking about how uh, the transhuman in the future won't be able to process real food they'll only be able to process synthetic food which is kind of like the whole um, matrix thing because they're mm-hmm. eating all that weird yeah even though the i don't goo. yeah the goo like oats yeah Fucking really tasty o- oats od <laughs> od eggs <laughs> not but, scrambled not scrambled very well though mm-hmm. but it just seems like you know all of the supply chain issues and more and more Food factories are, you know, having issues, and mm-hmm. it's like they're just they're just making dependent that on down, that shit, man, clamping yeah. down. And then I like how Biden was talking about how he's gonna suspend the federal gas tax in lieu of the high gas prices. Like, bro, that saves like 20, <laughs> 20 cents a gallon, yeah. dude. It's like, let's see what it looks like if, on the fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if he did anything. <laughs> twenty cents a gallon at five dollars isn't gonna do much. Damn. No. Like, like just, how about two dollars? Let's cut two dollars off of that. I got gas on Monday, and it was five nineteen, and then Tuesday it was five twenty one. Yeah, it's insane. I literally, I mean, I don't have a big car, and went to the pump, filling up. I stopped it at seventy seven dollars because I was like, "How much more money is this going to cost <laughs> to fill up? This is insane." Mm-hmm. I have like a you know an eleven down, eleven gallon tank and it was just like <clears throat> eating it. I was like, dude, stop! So I stopped it and I literally and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems like the gas is like water now. My gas mileage I filled up on a Friday and by Sunday, I was down to three just below three quarters of a tank. It's like what? Uh, you need to quit cruising, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, you pollute the environment. Get an electric car, god yeah. damn it. Yeah. You want to cruise? Go electric. <laughs> yeah. 
have to stop every every 30 minutes. miles <laughs> and charge up for 30 minutes. I was telling my brother they need to make like a Bluetooth charger where you can be like driving by a charging going, station wah, wah, and it's wah, a charging wah. as you're going by so you don't have to actually stop. Just like the minority report when they're giving you personalized ads when you walk through somewhere. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that movie. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I, I think it was uh, Elon Musk was talking about that's what 5G was going to do, was like personalized ads to you wherever you were. What? Where are these ads going to pop up? Like in your head, in your mind, or what? where are these ads um, popping up? On your phone? If you're vaccinated, yeah. <laughs> Stop in for synthetic food. Did you see that thing that Bill Gates came out and said? About uh, what was it? Something to do with whatever. I can't remember what he said, but it was something like, "Well, that's because I put it all in the vaccines." Oh, he's talking about the funny. um, Was it the Intel processor? Or no, no, it was something to do with Internet, not Internet Explorer. Yeah, was it Internet? It was something like why they canceled it or something. Yeah, something like that. That's what it was. Yeah. You fucking turd. Dude, Bill, you're not even funny. <laughs> FYI. Newsflash, Walter Cronkite, you are not funny. <laughs> Unless you count looking. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Bazing. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, God damn. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are those the only two you have in there? That's yeah. all you need. Besides our intro and outro. <laughs> so get used to it, people. That's the only thing you'll hear. Start hitting the buttons. Fuck yeah. The problem is i got to reach around this mic and, you know. That's what the, she said. Yeah. With the pop filter. <laughs> the pop filter, like, kind of, like, distorts my vision. So as I'm coming around <laughs> to hit the button, it... I might hit the wrong button. (laughs) Celery and what? (laughs) Celery and pineapple juice. According to Steve-O. Anyway, inside joke, people. Calm down, Luke. Calm down. Get your mind out of the gutter. Jeez. You guys are insane. It lives there, so. Yeah. Anyway, you guys got anything this week that you've noticed that was even more crazy than... Biden only I just saw that off. thing where they were was it the FBI raided some uh, Republican dude's house is it the one in Florida no I can't remember if it was Florida or like Nevada or Arizona or something hmm. but it's just like <laughs> this is pretty close together yeah <laughs> but it's just like holy shit they're just you know blatantly going after people now well the january 6th committee expanded its uh investigation a little bit more this week it's just crazy dude Mm -hmm. you know but then at the same time you got like uh supreme court just dropped the did you hear about the reversal of the mag or the uh, concealed weapons thing in uh, new york yeah that they yeah they just said that that was unconstitutional you can't Mm -hmm. have you can't say law-abiding citizens can't have concealed weapons Mm mm-hmm um, and then supposedly by the end of the week, this week, they're supposed to be dropping the Roe v. Wade stuff. And there's like a bunch of like some online group, like Jane's Revenge or something that's mm-hmm. going around. And, you know, 
yeah, vandalizing like, and breaking stuff, and of course, putting you know, out threats, yeah, on people's lives yeah, exactly. And shit. And DOJ's doing nothing about it. It's like, dude, come yeah. on, come on, man, Joey Job, Joey Job. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yep. Anyway, never, never ends. Never dull moment. That's right. But once again, all of this stuff that we've been seeing, I think, ties right back into MK. And the stuff that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're going to continue talking MK Ultra again today, but we're going to kind of take a little bit of a side veer, something that's not, quote, technically part of the MK Ultra program or that wasn't acknowledged as being part of MK, but um, definitely I think is going to tie together what we've been talking about with Artichoke, Often, Naomi, uh, Bluebird, and then going into the Hollywood scene and the serial killer stuff. Um, and that was Operation Mockingbird. Mock, yeah, ing, <laughs> yeah, bird, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I figured I'd cue that up. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, that's a good one. So, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Operation Mockingbird today. Um, Mockingbird, I feel like, like I said a couple weeks ago, or maybe I'm, I've been kind of throwing it in here or there, but it seems to me like it was a program that was definitely involved in MK Ultra because of the mind control and stuff like that. Um, it was more propaganda controlling people's minds and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we'll get into it today. But um, Mockingbird ran from somewhere in 1948-ish known to 1976. So, pretty much the same kind of years that MK Ultra was running. I mean, we know that MK started out in uh, 51, 52, like that area with Artichoke and Bluebird, and then kind of evolved into um, what they switched it to Search, mm -hmm. MK Search, and then they switched it into MK Ultra, just changing the name, same program, same project. Um, but in 1948, Frank Weisner was the director of the Office of Special Projects portion of the CIA. And the Office of Special Projects was later renamed to the Espionage and Counterintelligence Branch of the CIA. Um, but that was uh, a couple years after this kind of began in 1948. But Weisner was told to create an organization or organize something that would concentrate propaganda and economic warfare and preventative direct action namely against the like communist countries and things like that mm. which <clears throat> i think is kind of ironic when you talk about the economic warfare portion of it because it's like what's been going on lately mm -hmm. you know it seems like everything is economic warfare do you yeah. think people in the office called him Weisenheimer? <laughs> so Weisenheimer? Fuck you guys, man. Hopefully. People getting out of meetings and going back to their desk. 
fucking Weisenheimer. Yeah, he made it last 20 minutes longer. Shut up. (laughs) But, yeah, so, I mean, it's... The the way that they started it out, um, the uh, Operation Mockingbird, like I said, they were originally trying to kind of like consolidate direct, meaning direct action, like prevent uh, preventative stuff going on here in the in the country. And this was like mm-hmm. obviously forty eight, like three years after the end of World War Two. Um, we're kind of starting to go full blown on paperclip and bringing those guys over. So we're starting to learn how they were able to kind of control their country and take over through media and propaganda and stuff like that. So to me, it makes perfect sense that this thing started firing off right when it mm-hmm. did and then running, you know, concurrent with uh, MK Ultra at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so later in the, 1948 is when, so once he was given the directive, Wisner established Mockingbird and it was specifically a program to influence domestic American media. So I think that that's really important to keep in mind throughout the rest of the episode and then going into the next couple episodes where we talk about uh, Hollywood, specifically the music, the Laurel Canyon scene, the connections to the military intelligence and all that, and then continue to think about going forward from the 1960s Onward and the you know the technological developments. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those developments, as well as um, you know, continued developments in the entertainment industry and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mm-hmm. think that it's really important to keep in mind that this was a program designed for like controlling the domestic American media, like not media in other countries, media here. Yep. Yep. So, um, did they say where, or did you see anything where they said this was mainly being run from, or? So the article that I read was off of uh, SpartacusEducational.com, and it seemed like it was started originally out of the whole East Coast, and then it kind of started going in here in in a minute into specifics on, like, which you know, uh, newspapers and, mm-hmm. and media organizations were in it primarily in the beginning. They were mostly East coast organizations, but there were ones that were like all over the country, like mm-hmm. Miami, Chicago, yeah. Oklahoma, like, you know, just all the typical States that you, you know, keep coming up in all the agency sponsored stuff from 1950s and sixties onward, like mm-hmm. everything with JFK and everything with the mob and everything with blah, blah, blah. I mean, just keeps going. Yeah. Why? I was just curious, like, since we've got, like, the three um, research facilities, the oh, Dietrich yeah. and, the, and Edgewood Arsenal and then JPL, mm-hmm. I was just curious if there was, like, a main hub for this. Yeah, I don't... Where the paperclip guys were being distributed to. Yeah, I like I said, I didn't see anything, but I'm sure that, you know, I didn't have, you know, tons of time to completely, you know, get... Mm-hmm. all the way in depth and all that stuff but everything that i saw most of everything was east coast based um you know dc up to new york a lot of it was in new york mm-hmm. um through the media and then washington uh dc and then down into uh some stuff in florida but i don't know if it was necessarily totally centralized to one 
specific like army base or anything like that. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was more of like they had. So Wisner ended up recruiting um, Philip Graham originally, who was from the Washington Post. So every time you read Washington Post articles, make sure you remember this. Mm-hmm. Yep. 1948, the CIA was recruiting him. Uh, and uh, then he started uh, recruiting others within the media industry that had military intel backgrounds during World War II. So you can see where that ends up going. Well, they quit it. They stopped it. Yeah, so it's done. 1975, yeah. over. Yep. You yep. can trust it now. Yep. Um, but in the 1950, by the end of the, or by the 1950s, Wisner is reported, Frank Wisner is reported to have like, quote unquote, owned all of the respected members of the New York Times, Newsweek, and CBS. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can see where that ends up going with from there. I mean, those were like at the time, 40s, late 40s and 50s. These were like probably the, you know. It's like probably a yeah. good three quarters of all the media in the country. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> so all I, good news, folks. Yeah. All good news. That's what Word Cleaver's telling his fam. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, Beaver. Uh, so talking a little bit about CBS, CBS was a formerly uh, the Columbia Broadcasting Systems, which we, I don't know, we haven't talked about it yet, but Columbia, District of Columbia, and then that whole connection to the Freemasonry and ISIS. Oh, Boom, ISIS. ISIS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely, like the Columbia thing, there's some ties into um her being potentially the Greek or the Roman version of ISIS. Um, and then that goes back into the back into the whole um, Babylonian mystery religion stuff, which is what all these elitists and mm-hmm. Kabbalists are all about. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but then CBS became a division of Paramount Global. So I'm gonna. This is kind of uh, evolution of Paramount. So you have CBS became a division of Paramount Global. Here's the evolution of Paramount. So 1912, Paramount Pictures founded. 1927, CBS is founded. 1929, Paramount buys 49% of CBS. 1932, Paramount sells back shares of CBS. 1950, Desilu is founded and CBS distributes its television and programs. So that's like that whole um, Arnaz, uh, Desi, what was his name? Desi, uh, Desi Arnaz or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Lucy, Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. So they had started their own little uh, studio program in there. 1952, CBS creates the CBS Television Film Cells Division. So right during uh, uh, Operation Mockingbird. 1958, CBS Television Film Sales renamed as CBS Films. 1966, Gulf and Western buys Paramount. 1968, Gulf and Western acquires Desilu and renames it Paramount Television, and CBS Film becomes CBS Enterprise. 1970, CBS Enterprises renamed as Viacom. 1971, Viacom is spun off from CBS as a separate company. 1985, Viacom buys full ownership of Showtime and MTV networks. 
1986, National Amusements buys Viacom. And then 1989, Gulf Western renamed as Paramount Communications. 1994, Viacom acquires Paramount Communications. 1995, Westinghouse buys CBS. 1997, Westinghouse renamed as CBS Corporation. 1999, Viacom buys CBS Corporation. 2001, Viacom buys BET Networks. 2006, Viacom splits into second CBS Corporation and Viacom. 2019, CBS Corporation and Viacom remerge to form Viacom CBS. And then 2022, Viacom CBS changes its name to Paramount Global. Hmm. So pretty much every single uh, major company that's involved in television and motion pictures seems to be coming from something that was owned or controlled by Operation Mockingbird. Yeah. And they're all doing the same shit and doing the same thing just by changing the name over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Yeah. Doing the <clears throat> show game or the cup game. Yeah. So, like, when I read that, I was just like, dude, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, and that's, to me, that's confirmation because um, when we start getting into the Laurel Canyon music scene, like, a lot of those first couple bands were coming out on Columbia Records. Mm. And then some of the subsidiary companies of Columbia Records, you know, and then it's just like the whole, we talked about the punk music scene, Mm -hmm. the DIY whole, you know, East Coast, DC hardcore, you know, old school thrash core scene, like all of those labels kind of got bought up by the big labels that are owned by these same couple companies. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, get their tentacles yeah. in. Yep. So like it's like everything is controlled by these these dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, in the 1950s, CBS had a West Coast headquarters at Columbia Square in Hollywood. So we're starting to get our connection from Mockingbird controlling cbs now mockingbird is controlling cbs and cbs is now in hollywood and like i just read you their little you know evolution of paramount everything is ending up going you know like a a sweater thread it's just weaving into the next one and the next one and the next one and the next Mm -hmm. one and they just continue i mean i couldn't believe mtv was on there i was like you think mtv would be like some you know rebel Mm -hmm. you know nope rebel type of like uh Company established, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like, nope, you're all owned and controlled by <laughs> mm-hmm. CBS. Yep, you can't say or do that anymore. Okay, you can't show music anymore, which is funny because <laughs> yeah. they did. They <laughs> went from like, shows. yeah, they went from yeah. showing music videos to like The Hills and OC and you know, all like these like reality TV, yeah, shit teen reality TV, or like Daria, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That ain't Beavis and Butt. Yeah. God, the fuck? Yeah. Where's Headbanger's Ball, damn it? Yeah. On at midnight. One night a week or whatever. Was it on every night or just Saturday? I don't remember. Shit? I remember we'd stay up and watching. It was like a half hour long or whatever, and it was like, you know, 27 minutes of commercials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every time it was Paradise City video, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, what? Yeah. That, that, that record hasn't been cool since 1985 all right still a good album 
talking about GNR? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but it's good. I guess, man, but, you know. Duff's bass playing's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is uh, uh, Slash, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did I tell you about when I saw Slash? Huh. Yeah. When I lived down in L.A. So I lived in L.A. for a minute, uh, moved down there to try to go to film school. And then I realized that everything was in the industry was owned by the man, and so I skipped out and skipped out of town. That's not what happened. <laughs> I didn't have money to continue and had to work two jobs to uh, sustain. So I was working at a coffee shop um, just in, in the borders, books and music on Ventura in Studio City. And so every now and then you'd get, you know, celebrities like Angelina Jolie or Drew Barrymore or Gia. Yeah, I, I can't remember who else came in. Oh, uh, Tim Allen, the biggest douche in the world. Oh, the cokehead? Yeah, yeah, the comedian is like arguing over like eight cents. Him and his daughter came in. Anyway, so uh, me and my buddy John, he was a hardcore kid. I think I told you about him. He was a like one of the original like hate breed fan club dudes. Like back in the day, he was from New Haven. Mm. And he was living out there going to film school. Or he'd finished up film school and moved out there. So him and I had worked in the coffee shop together, a couple Hessians, and, you know, didn't care about working, didn't treat people right. And one day uh, Slash come walking up the stairs, <clears throat> excuse me, turns around, comes over, <clears throat> comes over to the uh, coffee shop, and he's like, oh, where are the CDs? <laughs> I'm like, uh, behind you? <laughs> like, you're looking at them as you're walking up the stairs. So he's like, oh, okay. And he's wearing just a white t-shirt, jeans, and no top hat. God damn it. Uh, just no top, to ask I know. That. No, no top hat. No cigarette in his uh, ear, oh, nothing on. like that. should have just been hanging out of his mouth, at least. Wearing a gold chain outside of his shirt, obviously. And... Um, so John and I were like, dude, Slash is here. That's so cool, man. Blah, blah. And we had just gotten a new manager, and this guy had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. So he was like super like regimented about everything. He was this big, puffed up dude. <laughs> and so he comes over and he's like, Is anybody helping these customers? And we're like, Well, he came over and asked where the media was, and we pointed it to him. He's like, D He didn't recognize that it was Slash. So he walks over and he's like talking to him. He's like, Sir, dun, 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 you know trying to help him because it was really dead it was like an afternoon and nobody was really upstairs so slash leaves goes down the stairs and then that guy david comes over to us and he's like man that guy looks so familiar oh, dude no, where did i know that dude from and we're like bro that was slash and he's like what get on the get on the pa page slash back to the cafe <laughs> excuse me slash you forgot your slash to the cafe <laughs> slash to the cafe <laughs> So we ran because it was upstairs, and so we ran down, watched him check out. He bought like one thing, and then he walks out, and we had like a, a parking lot that was right behind the store. So we ran over to the uh, um, employee lounge thing, and there was windows that overlooked the parking lot. We watched him get in his gold jag and drive <laughs> off. Like, yeah, slash, get it. Oh, you bought something. All right. Bought a DVD, man. <laughs> CD something, yeah. So I know all kinds of celebrities. Val Kilmer, yeah, Slash. You got all of them. Mm -hmm. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. John Goodman. 
Did you see John Goodman? Yeah, he came into Jamba Juice when I worked there. Shit. No. Oh, um, and then, oh, fucking, what's his name from uh, The Lost Boys? Hmm? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah. Oh, Don't you know yeah. who I am? I'm Kiefer Sutherland. He was all drunk out of his mind. That's right. What an asshole, dude. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. I'll save that one for a different story. I don't want to keep going on story time, but it was that was a good one. <laughs> and John Goodman, I'll save that for a different time, too. So, anyway, back to Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. See. Ing. See. Blowing your nose for, dude. Fucking allergies, bro. Whenever you got monkey pox. <laughs> oh, fuck. Look at him, dude. No oh, yep. shit. Mm. Contagious. Oh, yep. We're going to hold you down and test you. Report that shit. Who's testing the finger up the butt? Yeah. I was going to say, was no, anal probe? Was, no, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was thinking up the nose. You did some In the throat. The anal gland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gross. <laughs> Over the line! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Anyway, um, back to CBS. So CBS establishes a West Coast headquarters in Columbia Square in Hollywood. And then let's kind of go back a little bit in time. In the 1930s, CBS also had connections to Europe via uh, Edward R. Murrow, which he's the one that they give that award out to all the time for the great newscasters like Ron Burgundy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the thirties, Edward R. Murrow and a couple other like CBS anchors end up going over to, um, London and they're kind of stationed over there during the, during, doing the European angle of CBS. And then, um, when Hitler started invading, invading Austria, they kind of like hurried up and grabbed all their dudes and popped smoke and left the Europe and came back to the U S but. I thought that was interesting that in the 30s you had um, CBS going international, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, 1951, CBS introduces the uh, eyeball logo. So, yeah, which I've always found that super weird that it's like 1951 – Artichoke and Bluebird are active, or Bluebird's active. Artichoke's getting ready to be active, you know. Mm-hmm. And MK Ultra is kind of like starting to spin off, and then they, you have Op- um, Operation Mockingbird going on at the same time, and now they're like, oh, just so you know, well, <laughs> they're all seeing you. We're watching you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Einstein's bagelry, dude. <laughs> They're always watching you. Einstein's bagelry? Come on, dude. You don't eat bagels? Not in a long time. Jeez. Yeah. Is I that think something around here? There, there's one in the airport. Why don't you fly somewhere and get some culture? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. They have like a, their logo is like a guy holding a bagel over his eye, doing oh. the old all seeing eye. Looking through the old leather donut. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Over the line. So CBS dominated TV in the 1950s and 60s, just as CBS had dominated the radio in the 1930s and 40s. And they, 
allegedly dominated like all the ratings on television like they were the number one or one of the top if not the top um i think from what i read they were the top rated um television company at the time from like 1955 to 1976 do those dates sound familiar to anybody because 1975 is when the church committee kind of started picking apart the cia and then um Mr. Helms decided to destroy yeah, 138 yeah. boxes of destroy, destroy. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 1955 to 1976. I mean, those are all the years that MK Ultra was alive and kicking, mm-hmm. and those are the known active years that that have been acknowledged, mm-hmm. right? So, and then after 55, they kind of fell off. I assume. 1955, who? Or I mean, 75? Yeah, 76 is when they started kind of falling off. And it looked like, looking at their timeline here, um, just going back real quick. So 71, Viacom spun off CBS as a separate company. And then in 85, Viacom buys full ownership of Showtime and MTV. So it looks like at that point, they're probably trying to kind of share the love a little bit good mm-hmm. results we'll buy it yeah <laughs> yeah just kind of moving moving more Doing the show yeah and it. and making more companies to create more mm-hmm. control reach, or yeah. yeah reach more people um in 1950s uh cbs controlled seven or it's alleged seven to eight out of ten slots in the tv top ten hmm so they were like pretty much premiere for like all those 1950s shows that were coming out like i love lucy and um <clears throat> almost sneezed just now um, <sighs> looked like you were rolling your eyes at me like this guy doesn't know <laughs> nothing he's having a seizure. i was holding it back it's fine yeah it's cool yeah just stroking out here yeah too bad we don't have a video podcast (laughs) what happened to the side of your face man (laughs) quit drooling (laughs) um so yeah dude um but back to mockingbird 1951 alice alan dulles gets cord meyer to join the agency and he was alleged to be an asset or agency agent prior to becoming a full-time you know member of the CIA and that this was in the late 40s that Cordmeyer was actually alleged to be an asset for the agency. Hmm. Um, and a little bit about Cordmeyer. He's the son of a wealthy like New York City family, um, real estate developer father. This dude went to Yale. Cordmeyer went to Yale. He was a member of the Scroll and Key Society. And Scroll and Key is one of the big three at Yale of secret societies so you got scroll and key skull and bones and then wolf's head which i didn't know much about scroll and key or the wolf's uh wolf's head um we need to i think i'd heard of the scroll and key one but i never heard of wolf's head yeah so we'll need to maybe do some digging on that and report back yeah probably notebite was involved in Mm. yeah wolf's head (laughs) that's what got him um but the scroll and key, just reading a brief, you know, um, 
scanning a little bit about their history, it sounds like they were kind of like an offshoot of Skull and Bones. They um, couldn't make it in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they weren't. We're gonna start our own club then, yeah. Yeah. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> they were the B students. Yeah, B team. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Cord Meyer. Um, typical, but then again, going back to the, you know, the agency formation, a lot of those guys were chosen out of the whole Skull and Bones mm-hmm. society. That movie that Robert De Niro directed, what was the name of that? The Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd, yeah. Badass movie. Other than it has Matt Damon in it. (laughs) (laughs) He did okay. Yeah, it was a fun movie. He didn't say his name in there. Matt Damon. (laughs) Um, That was a good movie. I think if you haven't seen that, it it was like one of those movies that almost went straight to DVD or something. Like, I don't remember Mm -hmm. it being at the theater. Yeah, I don't. It was like a made-for-TV type of movie. It's long. It is long. It's like three or three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Robert De Niro. He's in it, too. Does a, a brief little cameo in there, but um, it's pretty good. Got Angelina Jolie, a couple other famous people in it, but it, it's about the start of the agency. I think historically it's pretty accurate, but I don't know about the whole father-son thing that they kind of threw into the plot line. I don't know if that was true or not, or if that was just kind of like some Hollywood. <laughs> have some tenderness. Yeah. We're so, related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But Cordmeyer worked for the agency from late 1940s, 51 for sure through 1977 which once again is two years after the church committee started kind of probing quite a bit and asking a lot of questions and the agency was definitely on the uh, forefront of everything that was going on and it wasn't that 77 when watergate happened i know it's when elvis died well that's all that matters yeah <clears throat> the king well he didn't really die he just moved to germany or something Oh, he was in Home Alone. What? Yeah, there's the scene where everybody said it was him in the background. Really? Yeah, you can. It's all over. What scene? It's it's. I think it's the scene where the mom is in the airport. Goes, ah! He's yeah. in the bathroom. Me and Michelle. I didn't know Elvis was such a creep. <laughs> Pedo, Pedo Elvis. <laughs> Yeah, it's somewhere. It's like in the... He was in the... The mom is in the airport at, yeah. the, at the kiosk or whatever. Oh, okay. And there's like a guy in the background that everybody is like, that's... Was it the kiosk in France? I don't because remember. Because that would make sense if he was in Germany because he would have just stopped in. Could have been. I can't remember, but it's... Nine. Is it Nine. You look it up. Pops into the background. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's some karate chops and shit in the background <laughs> wasn't he like some badass or something like that i thought he was alleged to be some badass yeah i mean there's some pictures of it so him with the beard he wore white jumpsuits so i mean you got to be pretty badass to support those rhinestones oh i see he's supposed to be the guy behind the other guy behind the other guy with, with the beard huh? he's got a beard mm. to hide him and 
Then why fucking jump into a Cute. movie? I accidentally clicked on something, dude. Oh, son of yeah. a bitch. You just went to a hardcore porn. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? I don't know. Buzzfeed? <laughs> God damn. Dude, I got sensitive fingers. I don't know. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> it's pretty convincing, you know. It is. I think uh, everybody should Google that. What'd you Google? Give them the words. Elvis Home Alone. Plus Home Alone or just Elvis Home Alone? Just Elvis Home Alone. Yeah, throw in a plus there and add some more. Does that help? I don't know. I heard. I've never heard Somebody said. Anyway. So another thing that was weird about Cord Meyer and his his history that he was alleged to be involved in the JFK assassination. So I found this. Whoa, Whoa, I just did the same thing. My bad clicking on stuff is it two girls one cup <laughs> no it was uh let's see here three girls one cup <laughs> uh, that's what he clicked on yeah <laughs> um so this is a former cia agent and watergate figure named e howard hunt this guy died and it, I guess his sons, he has two sons, uh, St. John Hunt and then David Hunt, revealed that their father had like recorded and made several claims that himself and others were involved in the conspiracy to assassinate JFK. And so in 2005, Rolling Stone ended up kind of like printing this this piece. But it says, E. Howard scribbled the initials LBJ standing for Kennedy's ambitious Vice President Lyndon Johnson under LBJ connected by a line he wrote the name Cord Meyer. Meyer was a CIA agent whose wife had an affair with JFK. Later she was murdered, a case that has never been solved. Next to his father connected to Meyer's name, the name of Bill Harvey, another CIA agent. Also connected to Meyer's name was the name David Morales yet another CIA man and a well-known, particularly particularly vicious black ops specialist. And when his father connected to, <clears throat> to Morales' name with a line, the framed words, French gunman, grassy knoll, in quotes. Hmm. I thought that that was pretty wild because the name Bill comes up in, when we start doing the research on the JFK assassination, there was a guy named Bill, because I remember I talked about maybe it was potentially Bill Cooper, mm-hmm. that was allegedly involved with Frank White, who was the Dallas PD cop that wasn't really a Dallas PD cop, that had a bunch of naval intelligence connections prior to him being a Dallas PD cop for like three months. And he was on the grassy knoll, and he claimed in a deathbed confessional as well that he was one of the shooters hmm. so take it for what it is but kind of weird that you know cord myers <clears throat> you know um wife was having an affair with jfk and then these guys e howard hunt are saying that they were involved as mm-hmm. well as cord it's funny to think about like how deep those people are into it like you know they're on their deathbed and they're gonna die so like well i want to give away all my secrets but those people are so programmed into their shit if they're just saying shit to fucking convolute it even more. Mm-hmm. 
just to start throwing out all this shit to keep everybody it yeah running in circles yeah luke blew my mind last week with that you know little knowledge bomb where he kind of said the same thing like is you know was was the psychological warfare really this Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm like saying the whole point. The whole it point of it was just to mess with people and get in their heads. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they're just adding more fuel to the fire to try to, you know, take the 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 heat off of who really did it or something. Just redirect it again at more yeah. people, so everybody goes running this way. Yeah, and, exactly. Okay, let's try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. Mockingbird had, at one point, dozens of journalists in all the top newspaper publications, and Frank Weisner even commissioned and provided classified information or intelligence to the reporters under Mockingbird. So I'll just... Oh, go ahead. Oh, just... Sneezing? No, that was just pretty pretty crazy that he had that many people in all those newspapers. Yeah, um, there's actually a list on here of all the people that he had. Let me find it real quick. So one of the most important journalists under the control of Operation Mockingbird was Joseph Alsop, whose articles appeared in over 300 different newspapers. Other journalists willing to promote the views of the CIA included Stuart Alsop, New York Herald Tribune, Ben Bradley, Newsweek, James Reston, New York Times, C.D. Jackson, Time Magazine, Walter Pincus, Washington Post, Walter Winchell, New York Daily Mirror, Drew Pearson, Walter Lippman, William Allen White, Edgar uh, Murrer, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Chicago Daily News, Hal Hendricks, um, Miami Hillard, or sorry, Miami News, uh, White Law Reed, New York Herald Tribune, Jerry O'Leary, Washington Star, uh, William C. Baggs, Miami News, Harold Gold, Miami News, uh, Charles Charles Bartlett, Chattanooga Times, and then um, there was others as well. It's just like pretty much uh, they had Time Magazine, Life Magazine, New York Times, New York Herald Tribune, New York Post. Washington Post, Louisville Courier Journal, Copley News Service. It's like insane, man. It just keeps going and going. But like I said, most of those are East Coast uh, news. They all sound yeah. like that. Yeah. And Miami was a big one. It's like, holy crap, dude. How many things on Miami? You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Another thing that they were... Um, kind of like brought into their fold was Disney with their oh, yeah. propaganda cartoons yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah, and that was in the 1950s when Walt Disney started getting big, right? Yeah, I think it was um, 1937 was Pinocchio. Which and... is creeper, dude, when you rewatch that. Yeah, yeah. All the Island of the Boys and stuff. It's like, what? The new one's coming out. Guillermo del Toro one. Huh? I don't know. Yeah. Is it a cartoon or a movie? It's oh. a, Snow White was in 37. Pinocchio oh. and Fantasia were in 40. Fantasia is another weird one with a bunch of alchemy and a bunch of mm-hmm. weird-ass magic. Growing up. 
Uh, Fantasia. It's the one where he like. Yeah. It's. I remember it, but I don't. I don't think I ever watched the actual whole movie of it. Mm. Yeah, I remember being pretty creepy when he's getting all the. The brooms, the brooms, and the mops, and, the mops and, and they're all like cleaning everything for him. Yep. Um. So yeah. Um. 1953, the network was overseen by Alan W. Dulles, director of the Central Intelligence Agency. By this time, Operation Mockingbird had major influence over 25 newspapers and wire agencies. These organizations were run by people such as William Paley, CBS, Henry Lucia, I'm not sure if it's Lucha or Luce, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, Arthur Hayes, Soulsberger, New York Times, Helen Rogers Reed, New York Herald Tribune, Dorothy Shift, New York Post, Alfred Friendly, I like that name, uh, managing editor of the Washington Post, Barry Bingham from the Louisville Courier Journal, and James Copley from Copley News Service. The Office of Policy Coordination, so OPC, was funded by siphoning of funds intended for the Marshall Plan. Some of this money was used to bribe journalists and publishers. Frank Wisner was constantly looked at Oh, sorry, Frank Wisner was constantly looking for ways to help convince the public of the dangers of communism. In 1954, Wisner arranged for the funding for funding the Hollywood production of Animal Farm, the animated allegory based on the book uh, written by George Orwell. So that's when we really start kind of like transitioning into <clears throat> Hollywood. It's like that 1954 era. So like prior to it was like you know newspaper television now we're starting to go into hollywood which we mentioned prior podcasts where we talk about um lookout mountain air force base being in laurel canyon as like a new you know a movie studio for nuclear got it right this time <laughs> for uh nuclear test footage um and other such things and they would bring in you know all these at the time they were a-list actors for their little you know military propaganda films for the cold war stuff so it makes sense that this is starting to happen yeah um but get them commies yeah get the red commie bastards <laughs> hopefully putin's not listening to this He's going to send the KGB after yeah, us. We're, we're toast. Dude, I was watching uh, we're Stranger Things with episode four of the KGB. Dude. Oh, yeah. Jeez, man. This is a cliffhanger for me when I ended up going to bed last night. Don't be spoiling it, dude. I'm not. Okay. I'm just saying. I finished uh, it, but I'm looking out for people. Okay, look out. Look out for me. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this Henry Lucha or Luce. Luce. It's L-U-C-E. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Luce. Luce. Henry Lucha. There we go. Oh, that sounds right. Well, because uh, he had one of those things. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Henry Lucha. Yeah, uh, <laughs> 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 um, He's the owner. He was the owner. He's dead now. He was the owner of Large Media Empire that became involved in Mockingbird and he used his magazine to help get Eisenhower elected. Weird. Mm. Eisenhower, the guy that was not, not involved in the military industrial complex. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that was looking out for us. He's just narking on him. Yeah. You guys, man. Yeah. I'm out of here. Not in the club anymore. <laughs> 
Um, but Eisenhower, I'm on you. yeah, Eisenhower appoint, appointed Henry's wife Claire Booth Luca Luca as the ambassador to Italy, and she was the first female ambassador at the time. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of weird about her backstory is that she in 1942 was actually elected into the house of representatives in the um connecticut district so she's like some area of connecticut i can't remember where it was but obviously connecticut. rich big fan so, yeah yeah okay. so and then she ends up serving on the military affairs committee so house of representatives on the military affairs committee and then her husband starts getting involved in Mockingbird with the agency. Definitely not a conflict of interest. That's fine. Don't worry about it. And then she gets she gets sent over to be, or she becomes the ambassador to Italy. It's like, dude, these guys are just, they got a chessboard, man. They're just moving their chess pieces all around. Yep. It was probably given a winery in Italy. Yeah, it's... I don't know, dude. It's just there's even stories like that now with you know people AOC? that are yep, just like that <laughs> where they're <laughs> dating somebody who's in the media yeah. and it's like yeah, it's one big club and you two aren't in. It. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta preface that. Shit. I got kicked out. Damn it! I'm know. telling on you then. <laughs> I didn't know I was. I, I didn't even know I wasn't in it, man. <laughs> club. Yeah, it's. I don't know. But typical, like everything that's going on at the time, like we kind of talked about before with the agency and the FBI, kind of like infighting, mm-hmm. you know, I think Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover kind of like missed his calling a little bit because I think that that's what he wanted was he, he originally, you know, kind of like lobbied to get the the bureau started and it was like, yeah, yeah we're going to get all this stuff. And then it was like, then they came out of world war two and they started the agency and he was almost like, no, 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 that's supposed to fall under my purview. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's supposed to be mine too. So it's just our constant like headbutting and fighting. So he starts doing all these typical, you know, co-intelpro mm-hmm. investigations into like all of these dudes that were involved in mockingbird, like from the people in the agency that were involved to the journalists that were sponsored by it. And he's like digging up all this dirt on these dudes. And he's like, Oh yeah, here's pictures of you standing on a podium in a Hollywood event with a leftist. And you know, like at the time, like everybody, the whole red scare was going on. What was that Jim Carrey movie where he was the majestic? When he was like a writer, he was in the writers' guild, and then he got blackballed for the uh, communism stuff that was going on. It's supposed to be like a historically accurate movie. It wasn't a very good like Jim Carrey movie wasn't like funny but it was like when he started going into legit eternal sunshine type shit yeah it was somewhere around there i remember watching that theater thinking oh this will be good and then it was like what the hell this is like a real movie it's not funny at all um but yeah so that stuff was definitely going on where people were getting blacklisted and kicked out of the hollywood community because looking back on it it was probably just a systematic removal of people that were not part of Mockingbird mm-hmm. <clears throat> or the agency or whatever. Yeah. There's a story. Frank Sinatra beat up a reporter that was trying to 
say that he was a commie. Oh, really? Yeah. He was a pretty violent dude, right? Because didn't him and like the Rat Pack dudes like get in fights for money? Didn't they fight each other all the time? Dean Martin, from what I remember, he used to have, he lived in a hotel and it was him and some other dude that would have like bare knuckle boxing matches in their hotel room and charge people. And at this hotel, there's a plaque on the room that said that Dean Martin stayed here from this date to this date and never paid. That's awesome. And every time he wanted to fight at the end, you go, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. That yeah, dude's huh? hands were so fucking mangled. Which guy? Dean Martin. Oh really? Yeah. I like how towards the end of his career as an actor, he's just like, just on, you know, film, just wasted. Like they couldn't even get him sober. Apple juice, man. Yeah. That's all he was drinking, man. Apple juice. He pretended to be drunk. Yeah. He was a good actor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just just typical infighting between the agency and the FBI. J. Edgar's digging up dirt on all these journalists and... It didn't really obviously go anywhere because, you know. It was just a, like a threat kind of yeah, thing. Look what yeah, I got. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. more over that blackmail control stuff that he was pretty typical, you know, mm-hmm. for. I mean, that's that, that whole COINTELPRO orga, uh, operation was all just about mm-hmm. blackmailing the people that they wanted to blackmail and, you know, yep. keeping it. Do what they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll out you for this, that, or the other. So, you better stop doing what you're doing, type mm-hmm. of shit, and this is whatever. But Frank um, Weisner ends up towards the end of this operation has like major influence over Hollywood, uh, major studios like that are dominating the propaganda of the Cold War, and like we mentioned earlier about Lookout Mountain. Air Force Base being right up in that area, like that's never really made sense to me mm-hmm. why it was there. And it was kind of built in the 40s, late 40s, I think, right around this time that this mockingbird started kind of like picking up some steam. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know. Weird, I, weird place for yeah, that. Yeah, weird connection. And then what it became, you know, throughout the 60s and then into you know, being kind of like unused for several decades and then Jared Leto buys it and now he's got like, you know, his own studio and now it's like turned into like this kindergarten weird thing. Yeah, it's really strange. I was going to read this uh, last piece about uh, the connections with uh, Frank Weisner. According to Francis uh, Stonar, (laughs) (laughs) Francis Stonar Saunders... (laughs) I'm not making that up. S T O N O R. Stoner. Stoner. The author of Who Paid the Piper in 2000, Frank Weisner recruited several important figures for Operation Mockingbird. This included former OSS filmmaker John Ford and studio, studio boss Cecil B. DeMille, um, which I'm not sure if that's even how you pronounce his name, but. He was supposedly right. he was the Paramount Pictures like main dude back yeah. in the day, mm-hmm. and There's I know they made about him and shit. Yeah, and they made a Cecil B. Demented. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. movie kind of like well, the 90s or something yeah it was a yeah. weird movie yeah uh, me and the enforcer watched it on one of our first dates it's like yeah this is a good movie um anyway and then uh daryl zanuck of 20th century fox so he's like hanging out and influencing the who's who of the hollywood film studios at the Mm -hmm. time paramount and 20th century fox yeah a case closed dude you know hooks in Yep, and then another important figure in this group was Howard Hughes, the boss of RKO Pictures. As uh, Charles Hyam points out in Hughes, Howard Hughes' Secret Life in 2004, this was also good for business. Hughes' crusade against communism was exacerbated by his desire to have Hughes' aircraft profit from the Korean and any future anti-Soviet wars. For example, in 1950, General Ira Eaker, um, signed an across-the-board agreement giving Hughes a monopoly in interceptors for the U.S. Air Force, despite the fact that it was in breach of Sherman Anti-Monopolies Act. And by the end of 1950, the war had made Hughes even richer, more rich than more richer than before. Then the Mormons got him. Hughes? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Hmm. Why well, a bunch of? Didn't we talk about Howard Hughes being connected to? Um, JPL or Jack Parsons what, we talked about it in one of the episodes where um, he was connected to somebody that was creating a bunch of drama and and um, they had to kind of like they had to kind of like be play it down a little bit because he was super rich and influential I mm-hmm. thought that was JPL Jesus Christ we're on 17 episodes how are we supposed to remember that yeah. shit yeah yeah I don't remember <laughs> And then, and then the kids that like to rub my hairs, and then the, the, the corn turn, pop was a bad dude. Turn white in the sun. In the sun, the uh, uh, bubbles in the air. <laughs> Come on, man. Remember. Okay. Don't remember. Can't. Can't do it, won't do it. <laughs> what were the years of that he was doing the, the planes during the Korean War? Was yeah, late right? 50s. Late yeah. 50s. And I, I can't remember when the Korean War was. I think it was in the 50s. But by the late 1950s, he pretty much had a monopoly, controlled it all. Yeah. Which I think that was the same thing in Vietnam. Bell, mm-hmm. Huey Bell or Bell Huey or whatever that company was. They they were pretty much like making all of the helicopters that were going over and getting decimated in Vietnam, shot down, mm-hmm. and just sending more and more and more and more over. And throwing them off the, the decks of the... Yeah, yeah, at the end of that, just pushing it on. Yeah, like, I couldn't use one of those. Give me a break, dude. I can learn to fly one of those. (laughs) It's got two blades. Come on, man. It's got a joystick and two pedals. You can't tell me I can't learn to fly that thing. There's three things you got to control. All you helicopter pilots out there think you're so badass. (laughs) They didn't get a chance to play Top Gun on Nintendo when they were growing up. Yeah. That's how we... Yeah. I always failed at that game. Yeah. It's because you weren't Iceman. (laughs) <laughs> Let's get some stimulants. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's a pretty much all I had for Mockingbird. Yeah. You know, just your typical involved in the middle of, of MK Ultra, mm-hmm. kind of like a program that I think is it's running simultaneously, but, you know, I think it was, it was part of that whole mind control. I mean, look at the TV and media and 
you know, how it manipulates a, and controls our lives right now. Yeah, and they did a pretty good job with it back then with Red Scare shit and yeah. just... I mean, it controls my life. All I can think about right now is I got to get home and finish Stranger Things season four. I don't even want to be here with you fools. Get caught up, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn. I was trying to hold out. I was like, eh, I got to rewatch one through three because they took so long to come out with four that I was like, I don't remember shit that happened. But the in the three. recap was good, though. It was okay. Because we didn't watch it. We, we just we watched the recap and that was oh it. yeah so i'm usually one of those guys if it takes too long like more than three months i gotta watch the whole season first prior to moving on to the next season mm-hmm. wasn't worth it. did <sighs> well, you do that no i didn't do it hell no i have that much time <laughs> Jeez, what do i look like anyway so that's all i got on mockingbird i think everybody should take a look at it um and how it fits in with mk ultra or yeah. fits around it it fits around with what's going on right now, especially mm-hmm. since 2013 when Barry lifted the, you know, propaganda act that propaganda quote couldn't be used against American citizens. Like, and we've watched the the mainstream media just go ape shit in the last five years. I mean, especially when Trump took office, it was just like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. I mean, now you can't even. It's like you can't even find real news. It's just nothing but propaganda all the time. And then, like, all of these, you know, uh, anchors and things like that, it's just kind of like, dude, are you even for real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Unfortunately, you have to read so much of everything to find little yeah. things in, in the middle Yeah. to to even try to make sense of it but because it's all so slanted. Yeah. Know? And then they've still got, you know, the CIA people mm-hmm. that are doing news. Mm-hmm. Like Anderson Cooper. Yeah, he did his. Uh, and that was the one thing that I was going to read of Anderson Cooper's was that this came out in 2006, uh, September 6, 2006. He said, this is from CNN, fake news. Uh, My summer job nearly 20 years ago. So an interesting thing happened today. A website has published an article saying I once worked for the CIA. CNN received a call from the website yesterday informing us that they were going to publish this story. They didn't have all their facts straight, and I've received some questions about it, so I've decided to just write this blog post hoping to get the facts out there. As a college student, I had a number of summer jobs and internships, including working at the CIA. Keep in mind, we were talking about nearly 20 years ago. The Bengals walk like an Egyptian was on the radio. I was 19 years old and, like many college students, was curious about a variety of careers. There was a flyer for the CIA in my college career counseling office and I applied for the summer job. I was a political science major and was interested in serving my country. For a couple months over the course of two summers, I worked at CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. There are reports who have been in, or there are reporters who've been in the military and others who I've interned on Capitol Hill while they were in college. I know that the CIA may sound more exotic and mysterious, but it was actually pretty bureaucratic and mundane, at least the little bit that I saw of it. By the end of the second summer, I realized it was not a place I wanted to work after college. Sure. (laughs) Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a good way to end the episode. Quote, that's fake news. Intern. Yeah. Fake news. Just like 
former CIA agent Mike, Mike Baker. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Water bottle on the table. I mean, we're talking about, we're gonna talk about notebooks and guitar stands in the corner. Huh? And the guy's outside that's playing ball with his kid. <laughs> Fake yeah, news. I, 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 I got these kids, okay? I got three kids, okay? Yeah. I got Beamer, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Fake news. <laughs> they bring that dude on to clean up anything <laughs> that Joe Rogan happens to talk about that is real, which is probably not very much because I think it, he's controlled by them. hundred million bucks. I would control anybody. Spotify came out of DARPA, dude. That's all I'm saying. Boom. <laughs> We're on Spotify too, though. So damn it! <laughs> Talk about not anymore. <laughs> anyway, they're just making the links to us, yeah, to DARPA too, yeah. So anyway, finishing up episode seventeen. Hope you all liked it. We'll be back next week with connections to MK Ultra and the Laurel Canyon mu- music scene, and then on into chaos and the serial killers. Like, share, subscribe, leave some reviews. We appreciate it. Send us an email info.coendocpro at yahoo.com if you would like to come on the show or for some reason have something that you think would be cool to talk about. Other than that, be cool. Don't listen to the fake news. Have you been doing this for 17 episodes? 17 episodes. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Be cool. See you guys next week. See you. Later.